This is Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Our heart for you is that you would live like Jesus and share His love. Listeners, viewers, here we are. Uh, we're just coming in hot. Episode 48 of Radiant Reflections. And I just noticed, we were just talking a moment ago, and as soon as I decided consciously in my mind that the episode was going to begin, I started talking louder. Huh. I did. I totally did that. I That's interesting. I wasn't talking like normal, like this. I just started, I started talking louder. Hmm. Do you notice that though? Like, you, well, which is, when I which get is interesting, because even like people, like you give them a microphone and sometimes oh, yeah. they talk, it's like, no, the, the microphone does that for you. Yeah. No. Thank you. I have a whole shtick, obviously, when I do voiceover, my voice has to sound a certain way, the delivery is a certain way, and I'm very used to it. So I get my voiceover mic out and my wife calls it my, um, my car salesman's voice. Okay. Yeah. So you should demonstrate that for yeah. everybody. Uh, well, I would need I would need to read something of sorts. Here. So he, no, no. Here's what you're gonna do. Uh, okay. Without even okay. knowing what we talk about, okay. this dude. This is like okay. I'm gonna stretch you here. Let's do it. Without even knowing what we're gonna okay talk about yeah. in 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 total here on this episode, you need to do a voiceover like introduction intro? for this okay. podcast for okay. this episode okay. of the podcast. I can do that. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to Radiant Reflections. This is episode number 48. And in this message, Pastor Josh and Pastor JB will be discussing the topic of sexuality. We're going to consider Genesis chapter 2 and the definition of marriage. Join us as we dive deeper today. Dude, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. My wife mocks me. I wish I had a voiceover voice. Uh, I have a voiceover face. Well, that's all right. Face for radio. Well, because you got to like, yeah, you probably have to like hold your face a certain way to make your you voice do, do that, and you're, you, you like, use your hands and you're supposed to use your eyebrows in a certain way and your face like voiceover is a whole thing. Did you have you? Okay. This is I'm, yeah. we're going totally sideways and it's what? Three minutes. Yeah, we're three, three minutes. minutes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. I once had somebody now granted it was a, it was kind of a highly charged emotional situation. It was. Oh, an, uh, so it was, you know, there was a lot going on, but. I had somebody like scream at me one time to stop using my hands when I talked because mm. I do like I'm, I'm generally very what's mm. the word gesticulate or whatever like there's a term yeah, gesticulation right? like, yeah but like I was using my and they like hmm. <laughs> this person was like screaming at me stop using your hands when you talk like hmm. stop moving I'm like are you? I know you. You have some Dutch, but do you have any Italian? I don't. Because Italian. I mean, I'm like I'm like, like a, a billion percent Dutch. A billion percent. A billion. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I was born with wooden shoes. On. <laughs> <laughs> the clogs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I know. I well, here I'm starting to do it. Uh, I mean, we. I talk about that when I do voiceover clinics. I'll tell people. In training, you know, you you have to use your hands. So you teach them to do that. You must use your hands. See, I don't know where I yeah, I don't know where I got it. Well, but, I, I mean, there's Harvard, Stanford, blah 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 studies that prove it's something like eighty or ninety percent. Someone needs to fact check to check us on the check me on this. Eighty to ninety percent of communication is body language. It's not even. You know, even what you're saying, people are getting. I just finished a book which I talked to Ryan about. I'm hoping we're going to go through it as a staff called the other half of the church. I oh, should. you were talking about that the one yeah. with the brain? Yeah. <sighs> Bro, that's pretty cool. It's really, really a cool book. But they talk a lot about, you know, our body language and how 
uh, joy, hased is communicated. The joyful community uh, is communicated through uh, our eyes. It's pretty. It's a pretty pretty interesting book. Okay. But uh, episode forty eight. Here we yeah. are in yeah. the studio. We are drinking coffee from Mammoth Roasters. Excuse me, in uh, New Orleans. This is still leftover from the SBC. Um, it's raisin is a good. It's it's because uh, yeah. there's like a little fruity. So the Clever Dripper, I've brewed so much coffee in the Clever Dripper, I can tell whether coffee is fresh without even smelling it by looking at the way it interacts with the water. When coffee floats and then does not become saturated very easily, like even with stirring, like you got to really stir it in a Clever Dripper, it's fresh. But when the coffee just goes and sinks to the bottom and, and the water clarifies to the top level of the Clever, that's old coffee. There you go. Yeah. So. You should write like some some coffee related jokes. Mm. I'm not a very clever person like that though. I don't know. You should play off of that with the clever dripper. Mm, clever You're dripper. See. <laughs> but you are, Josh. Yeah. Twelve point two ounces of water and some coffee beans walked into a clever dripper. <laughs> <laughs> Give us give us a, a punchline, you guys the in the comments. Fresh? You guys in the comments. I'll tell you yeah. what. If you give us a really good punchline for that joke, uh, we'll give you we'll give you a mug because yes. I, I still have a couple. Done. Uh, we we yeah, I, talk I'm giving about out the winners. Six of them. So we had Rebecca got a mug. Tammy Rebecca uh, Rebecca Rackley. Okay. Uh, Tammy cool. Chup. Megan Chup. Okay. Uh, Chloe, Chloe Northrup. Northrup. Uh, yeah. We gave, gave one to Caleb. Yes. Uh, Matt uh, Henningson. Okay. Uh, he got one. Yeah, that was, yeah. that was cool. Those six people. Well, that means that 18 different... Um, a billion. Yeah, we got a lot of shares. It was so. awesome. So we're, we're still striving, guys, uh, for that thousand number subscriber mark on YouTube. I don't know, Josh. I think I'm ready to tease the listeners, viewers with a little, a little hint as to what the thousand subscriber... Uh, You'll have to give me a hint because I don't remember what we were going to do. Oh. <laughs> Let, let's just say this. It is related to coffee. That's right. There you go. Which it is related to we coffee. We kind of have a theme here uh, on this podcast. So yeah. if you hadn't noticed, uh, we talk about coffee sometimes. We do. And we have branded coffee cups. Yeah, we even. do. Mm -hmm. And you Roger can Roger. have one if you have a punchline. For that joke. That was a, cl a clever dripper. Okay. We're, we're 12 minutes in. We got to go. From here, it's all just gravy. Well, yeah. Yesterday's message with Pastor Ryan was uh, session or part or episode number three in the Jesus uh, controversial Jesus series. The title of the message was Jesus, <clears throat> the sexual revolution and how we got here. How this we got here. This cultural moment. Yeah. This what, cultural what fueled moment. This cultural moment. Which, by the way is a podcast series that you want to listen to at least every episode three to four times through this because it's super moment. heady well so yeah mark john, sayers yeah john mark homer and mark sayers mm -hmm. like your brain is going to be swimming who is so. i mean back to russia <laughs> john mark homer is a or, uh, mark sayers is a little bit of, a, of an expert on russian politics and their impact globally at any rate Jesus and the sexual revolution and how we got here. Josh, uh, Ryan started in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Yes, he did. Which I feel like we should I'm read that. I'm just going to read that, that bad, mm -hmm. Larry. Oh. Yes. Oh, yeah. 
Educate the ladies and gentlemen, Josh. Okay. Josh, <laughs> so we know we have this phrase called, you know, like that bad Larry. And it's just, you know, uh, I don't know how it's a noun for, for just whatever, a thing that could be important. It's useful. Uh, and so Josh is like, is there a gendered uh, female version of that? And so we've coined it this morning. It is here now and forevermore. That bad Linda. So that way, if you like, man, I want to refer to something, but it, I feel like it's more of female. a feminine thing, which, you know, that, which is an interesting thing, right? You've got mm-hmm. people that like name their cars or they reference their cars. Don't or get their, started. Good, okay, bro. Okay. We'll stop. I, ha- I just bought a Jeep <laughs> and the amount of people who name their Jeeps, like they give their car, their vehicle that they drive around a name. Ooh, that actually grinds my gears big time. But how do you, okay, but do you utilize any sort of a pronoun? We're jumping ahead to next week. <laughs> <laughs> but do you use any pronoun? Like, I mean, there are times where I'll like refer to like a, uh, like my bass or a vehicle. Yes. Like, oh yeah. Guitars. Like, and, and some people use a masculine pronoun. Some mm-hmm. people use a feminine pronoun. Do you utilize pronouns at all? Or is it just the no. Jeep? The Jeep. The Jeep. Yeah. No, okay. I, I, not at all. No. Okay. No. So you don't I, have to like bring her in for a tune up or no, like no. take him to the car wash. I don't, th- I don't think that way. No, okay. no. I was telling actually Jameson, uh, the video producer, uh, Hi, Jameson, Jameson's great. He's really been enjoying the controversial Jesus series, uh, specifically like this is going to trigger some people I'm sure, but people <laughs> who name their vehicles or name their thing or name their whatever, this, there's like a, a, I get angry. Huh. That and when I see there's a particular YouTube channel I watch called Think Media. It's a great channel on learning YouTube and learning stuff like that. And they have one guy in there. He's a dude. And he doesn't just, okay, trim his eyebrows, right? Like, you know, if they get really bushy and long, you just take your beard trimmer and you're like, it's done, okay? This guy shapes them like so that they're like a pointy kind of, like they look like a woman's, like what? a woman's eyebrow. This makes me angry. What does that have to do with naming your vehicle? I don't know. Those two things, man. I'm just like, I got no respect for you, bro, because you did that. Because he shapes his eyebrows? Shapes them. Like, I know the process to get to that was he had to take tweezers and like he's doing that, you know, and like, I don't like that, man. I don't like that. I don't know why. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't like a Groucho Marx thing. (laughs) No, no. That would be fine. That would be better. That would be preferable. I like the Marx Brothers, Groucho Marx. Not not Carl or uh, any of those Marxes, but uh, Groucho. Josh, do you Zeppo. think that we are like blowing and wasting time because we're nervous about the topic? Uh, or, or. We're unsure. It's because Ryan did such a good job. We just. Right. <laughs> right. What can we add to the conversation? It's, Beard dandruff. That's what we can add to the conversation because he didn't cover that yesterday. I think we're going to have to talk to Haley about some editing on this one. No, 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 no. No, no. no. Okay. Haley. You've disappointed me once. <laughs> Put a chapter marker in for the poor don't people who do don't want to waste 18 minutes and 25, six. Why do you say waste? So, well, that's true. I don't know. Maybe because- There might be people that have really good- Pro tips. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. Okay, first Corinthians All right, 6, so 618. I did turn there. So I, I mean, we're, we're in, we're in progress. Traction. All right. First uh, Corinthians 618, run from sexual sin. Mm. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to read to the end of the chapter. Yeah. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who mm. lives in you and was given to you by God? 
You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Hmm. It's First Corinthians six eighteen through twenty. And he ca- he came back to nineteen and twenty later on. But the first thing that Ryan really talked about is the differences between how we respond to the potential of sin. So there are some sins. It was really interesting. And he said, you know, God has called us to stand our ground. Mm. Um, but sexual sin was something he said to flee from. And Josh, I was thinking of a particular biblical story and a character. Yeah. Uh, and there was a song back in the late 90s. Song. Oh, yeah. There was a song. It was a, it was sort of ska. So it, like it was on one of the compilations About I had. King David? I, okay. You're, you're thinking a different narrative. He yeah. should have. He should have run away. I'm what? thinking Joseph. What? I got Joseph and David just then mixed up. Huh? No. So Joseph. there was a, there was a song. Ran from Potiphar's wife. Yes. yes. Okay. So there was a song back Good in grief. the late '90s. Uh, I'm totally drawing a blank on the name of the band, but it was all like this super upbeat, like "Run, Joseph, run! You got to get away. The girls got your clothes, but man, you can't stay." <laughs> it was awesome. Look it up. Everybody, YouTube that song. Who's the band? I can't remember. Mm. It was like uh, they were on like some super obscure christian label like they they put out like a lot of like mm. christian punk records and stuff like that one band i mean it was not those guys they, it was not like super high quality music right. i'm gonna look it up while you're talking okay. so so yes but the difference between fleeing and standing your ground and i think the reason why god has given us that command to flee is just because of the let's say the ferocity of of sexual immorality, like how strong of a pull it is, how natural it is. It's a God-given, like our sexual appetites are God-given. God's given those to us. But Joseph, so the story of Joseph, we know Joseph is is raised up. Eventually he's he's taking care of Potiphar's entire uh, household. He gets raised up out of jail, the whole thing. And Potiphar's wife starts making passes at him. David says, no, how could I sin against Joseph, God? Joseph, Joseph, Joseph. I keep saying David. That's so weird. I wish David would. Yeah, you're right. With Bathsheba, he should have done that, but he did not. Uh, Joseph uh, says, how could I sin against God and against my master, against Potiphar? Eventually, he finds himself in a place and she grabs his thing, his 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 pants to try to, <laughs> try to really take advantage of him. And he runs off, I'm guessing, just in his boxers. And uh, obviously, then it gets much, much worse. Yep. Yeah. So we have a biblical example of this, and this yeah. is the call that Paul gives us. Yeah, this isn't something that you resist. Right. Uh, not that, like like Josh was just saying, right? You don't just you try to stand against this. You you run away. Yeah. Right. This is one of those things where you know, like when Ryan talked about you know the cut off your hand, mm-hmm. poke out your eye, like some of those extreme measures. I think this is in line with that. Yeah. Right? Like like get out of there. Mm-hmm. So and maybe that is that could be because y- you cannot actually uh have victory over that without fleeing like Hmm. you can't stand your ground maybe it's maybe maybe god gives us that command to flee because it's like this is the way there is no other way uh to remain pure you have to flee what does that even look like i mean besides the the story of joseph what what does fleeing sexual immorality look like josh Sorry, I'm my bra- sorry. I'm I, I I'm listening, but my brain is also going to a passage later in First Corinthians. <clears throat> That's where he says, "There no temptation that sees you except what's common to man." man. God is faithful, but <clears throat> when you're tempted, 
God always provides a way out. And maybe this is the way out. He's Escape like, and flee yeah. sounds similar. Get away from it. Yeah. Get away from it. Yeah. So this could, this could, uh, as far as what it actually looks like, can vary depending on what the particular flavor. That's mm-hmm. maybe a bad way to put it, like flavor mm-hmm. of sexual immorality is. Sure. Because like, we would, I would, I would say, and you can agree or disagree, something like pornography. Right. That's a that's in the vein of sexual morality. Yes. Jesus equates lust with adultery. Yep. Right. So so something like that. Uh, for you to flee, you might have to take extreme measures. Right. Maybe right. you've got to get rid of your smartphone. Yep. I've Covenant actually known. Eyes. I've, I've known people that have done that. Mm-hmm. They said, "Hey, you yep. know what? My smartphone is yep. a. Yep. That's just a something that gets gets me caught up." You know, not that they're blaming their smartphone, but it's mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm, I'm essentially walking around with easy access to something that I know mm-hmm. trips me up. How can I flee? I, I get rid of my smartphone. Right. I'm, I'm going to have a right. get an old flip phone. You know, what about the Billy Graham rule? So I. I'm not a fan. So actually. let's tell listeners and viewers, what is the Billy Graham rule? So Billy Graham essentially functioned in the sense like he would never be one-on-one with a mm-hmm. woman who wasn't his wife ever like he wouldn't ride in a car if it was just him and, a, mm-hmm. and a, another woman mm-hmm. uh, anything like that i think again and, and there are different opinions about this mm-hmm. um i think there are some merits to it but in general i think it can be as hurtful as it is helpful mm-hmm to say that I cannot be around a female without right because that's to say like kind of immorality yeah that yeah. like that that to me is, or vice versa right mm-hmm. like I mean I think in in Billy Graham's case I think the reason why I I think culturally he was such a respected person right and as he should have been <clears throat> that his his decision as a a global Christian figure not just a national figure but a global Christian figure. His decision to do that was a wise one. And here's why. There are actually stories where, where Billy Graham would be on the road. And at least one time, uh, he'd have security with him. And he'd always have security go into hotel rooms before he'd go in. Hmm. Security goes, and someone, again, he's a fact check me on this. I heard this on a podcast. Uh, security goes in, and there sitting on the bed is a stark naked woman and a photographer in the room. Hmm. Waiting for Billy Graham. To, to walk into the room to take scandalous pictures and say and lie you know libel lie and say that this was what he was engaging in hmm. so i could see why he would make those kinds of decisions but i don't know if that applies to everyone you know and i don't i don't think it because here's here's the reality right and not that you know i, I don't know again you can you can speak to this because you might have a different you might have a different idea like you and i are called as part of the team to pastor the congregation right. at Radiant Life. Right. That congregation is primarily women. Yes. I think it's a mistake to say, oh, no, hey, sorry. Right. I can't ever meet with you because, mm-hmm. you know what, we just mm-hmm. might end up having sex. Right. I think that's a, it's a, yeah. it's a, I don't know. I, I think they, perhaps, it bothers me. And here's, here's, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, no, no. I, I want to try to be, I want to try to be gentle. I, I, <laughs> I don't want to be a jerk, but, right, like, I think it it creates unnecessary division, mm-hmm. right? Like you work, you work, you know, prior to starting at the church, I worked in a hospital. Mm-hmm. 95% of my coworkers were, were women. Sure. Yep. And in a secular setting, like there's never, like never once 
Yeah. Did any of my male <laughs> colleagues right. who are working closely with the female, right. never once did right. they engage in any sort of inappropriate relationship. Exactly. Right. I mean, so like in and a they secular, may not have had the Holy Spirit and been about right. God's business. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, yeah. I think sometimes the secular world yeah. actually does it better mm-hmm. than we do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you see, you, I don't know. I just, I don't think that's a model that we would have seen play out in the early church. Yes. There are modern things like people trying to like <laughs> hijack Billy Graham sure. and smear sure. him and, and ruin his reputation. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's a thing. You know, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that, that the devil uh, right, ramps up his attack against people in spiritual leadership. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that is a factor. You have to be wise. Yeah. But I think to say, oh, like every every single, you know, for me as a dude, to say that every single woman out there right. is a potential, you know, yeah. mess. I'm like, that's yeah. just... That's my, that's well, what I think that's a sorry I, I just keep talking you just punch me right in the face no, you're shut good. up uh, I think it's an some of that might be now Billy Graham predated the the purity culture that you and I would have grown exactly. up exactly right but I think some of that is an extension of that and that you know purity culture while there were some good elements protecting God's design for sexuality. Mm-hmm. I think they went way too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it was it was lopsided in their approach, mm-hmm. right? You know, kind of one of the things baked into purity culture was all right, girls, you're like dress modest. You don't want to cause your brother to stumble. Right. It's like how about we tell the dudes to not be bunch of horn dogs and and yeah. like be balanced. Yeah, you know, guard your thoughts. You know, mm-hmm. take those thoughts captive. Mm-hmm. Like, why are we putting this all on the women? That's right. And that that's bothered me for mm-hmm. a lot of years now. Um, so yeah, in, in 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 a setting like this, to say, oh yeah, you can't, you know, you can't meet one on one with a woman because it's going to go sideways. No, mm-hmm. again, be wise. But Ruth Haley Barton of the Transforming Center, uh, she had a podcast. It's probably early on in her seasons. Another great podcast to consider. Um, she talked about being conscious of energy, being conscious of sexual energy between a man and a woman, being mindful of that. And that when you begin or if one person begins to sense that kind of energy, then to talk about fleeing, then to talk about, hey, the wisdom of the differences between genders and God's natural God given um, appetites that are his that are meant to be expressed in a certain way. Yeah. When that starts to happen, then, you know, you need to be wise. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to be walking around. avoiding everyone yes yeah and, mm-hmm. and and that's where i think you know that that wisdom piece comes in mm-hmm. let's say i'm I've, i have a, a meeting with a with a woman and and i find myself like oh like attractive ooh, you know what? i right. i should probably set up another meeting with, oh and you know what yeah. i should uh okay yep. danger i've, I've got to be careful that's not anything on her right that's that's my own junk mm-hmm. that I've got to like mm-hmm. kind of guard against right yeah. so that's not to put anything on that person right but that's where i need a exercise wisdom right hey how do i mm-hmm. have guardrails in place how do i proceed in such a way that yeah. this doesn't have any yeah. potential to go sideways yeah kind of and i do think that there is some wisdom uh in regards to appearances right there's some wisdom there as well uh, i know for me i i have a practice it, when and if and when i am meeting with a lady a lot of times i'm going to meet openly doors open you know, I'm going to meet in a lobby. I'm going to meet in a, I don't know. I'm just, 
I'm going to meet in a space so that no one can ever say, hey, I, I saw JB and da 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 da. And there's this potential for them to think that something. Well, uh, it's uh, it's that idea of living above reproach, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's where it's like, no, hey, like yeah. we've you know, we've we've navigated things in such a way that we've we've at least minimized mm-hmm. the uh, the appearance of of anything that could be, you know, yeah, sideways. But. So fleeing is important. I mean, running from temptation is important. Whether you're getting rid of your smartphone, whether whether you're using something like Covenant Eyes, whether you're you're thinking more like First John, it's time to confess. Right, confess to another person. Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. Well, and and so to the other thing too is to be aware of kind of your thought patterns. Mm-hmm. I was having a conversation with uh, with my counselor. I mean, not not that, <laughs> but this was about something totally unrelated. But the the general idea that uh, the more we think about something, mm-hmm. uh, the more problematic it, it can become. And he was he was, you know, talking about a, a situation where you have somebody who does end up engaging in adultery mm-hmm. and in conversation with this person yeah. you know it's it's like well hey man how how did this happen how'd you get there and 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 the, <laughs> and the response was yeah well you know what i i thought about it for so long that when it actually came time it wasn't that big of a deal james and it's like oh yeah. so that's where you know scripture tells us to take our thoughts captive uh, and make them obedient to christ those mm-hmm. are the things Victoria. like if you find that line of thought showing up right like one of the ways that you flee mm-hmm. is you have to make sure that you're engaging in that that uh, captivity. Right? And uh, how take, do we take those thoughts captive? And the way that we change our thought patterns is is by what we're meditating on. So uh, Dallas Willard, you know, talked about the spiritual practices and disciplines, and and the spiritual practices and disciplines were kind of categorically um, uh, starting first with what do we abstain from. What do we abstain from, right? And what do we participate in? These two, these two buckets. And so sometimes, if you find yourself uh, really being consumed with thoughts that are not of God in this realm, it's time to abstain from some things. Mm-hmm. And you know, I agree with John Mark Comer. John Mark talks about one of the one of the best ways to deal with uh, a overly immoral thought life is physically fasting. Mm-hmm. Is fasting from food. So the flesh is rising up and desiring something that's outside of the pattern that God has given us. So it's time to discipline the flesh and tell the flesh, not only will you not have that thing that you are sinfully desiring, but I want to participate in an act that's going to further subdue my flesh. Um, So I think fasting is a, is a, is a really good thing. Yeah. And then, uh, and we've probably referenced this before. We've, we referenced John Mark Comer quite a bit, but he wrote a book called live no lies. Mm. Uh, it's, it's kind of his take on spiritual warfare. Fantastic. And he gives you a template to create something that he calls a monastic handbook for battling demons, which mm-hmm. sounds hardcore, but uh, ultimately it what is. it is, it's recognition <laughs> of, uh, fleshly, uh, impulses, mm-hmm. feelings, desires, natural. And then, uh, scriptural truth to combat that mm-hmm. so great it's, book it's a fantastic book to, i is. mean to where you're like hey if you find yourself like oh hey i'm thinking oh maybe yeah maybe it'd be nice to you know be with that person instead of you know my mm-hmm. spouse like oh no mm, what does god say about this i'm gonna right. i'm gonna catch that thought i'm gonna speak the truth mm-hmm. of scripture and and uh reroute those neural pathways yeah so 
Well, back to the, the kind of the question in, in the title of, of Ryan's message. How did we get here? Ryan kind of set up camp, we'll say, um, around the 1960s, 1960s. <sighs> And the sexual revolution. Let's talk about that uh, a little bit. And I know we've probably got some listeners and viewers that were in, you know, my dad, my, my dad was born in 1955. My mom was born in 1958. So they, dude, my mom and dad are the same. My dad was 55. My mom was 58. There you go. We're like parent birthday year twins. <laughs> uh, <or laughs> my dad's birthday was or whatever April. Frank said that we should do. And my mom's birthday is in January. Okay. My mom's is in January. January. Second. Okay, my, my mom says January 25. We should, your mom and dad are pretty cool too. My mom and dad are awesome. We should get them to be friends. We should hang out. Anyway. Right. Okay. They lived uh. through this. <laughs> I was thinking yesterday after the special, I was like, my dad was 15 years old in 1970. Like he was a, a young adult, young man living through the 70s. Hindsight. Yeah. You know what we should have done? What's that? We should have had him on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like just, he would not I mean, have probably done that. No, but I know. But I he's mean, a pretty quiet guy. But I mean, Maybe. just the perspective. I mean, yeah. I remember being 15. Sure. <laughs> and right. like, you know, the yeah. the, thing, the ways that culture kind of like mm-hmm. infiltrates the brain. Yeah. What would that have been like? Yeah. On kind of like some of the, the, the tail and maybe not mm-hmm. the tail end so much, but like. Yeah. Being a teenage person in that mm-hmm. era. Yeah. What was that like? Listeners, viewers that uh, maybe, you know, you were a teenager, or a young adult in the 70s, comment. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to hear, you know, what were some of the, what was some of the propaganda? What was some of the the things that you were seeing in culture, uh, like Ryan talked about, uh, during the sexual revolution that really, really affected you? Well, yeah, because um, go back to our Unseen Realm series, right? And mm-hmm. and you've got this, this uh, trifecta of the devil, the flesh, and the world, right? The devil speaks a lie in, in this case, like, hey, oh, this is, would be cool to do right. a, from a sexual standpoint. And then culture normalizes the lie. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways, again, if you, were, if you were alive in that era, what are some of the ways that you, like, if you look back, you can actually see culture mm-hmm. uh, working to normalize some of those things? Again, now one of the ways that they do it is, you know, well, Disney Plus. <laughs> yep. I mean, I mean, the things that they're trying to normalize, it's in children's TV programming. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's in the movies. It's it's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it's in advertising. It's you know, you watch you watch a commercial for you know some whatever, mm-hmm. and there's going to be as many you know same sex couples represented now as there are opposite sex couples. Yeah, and, it's normalized. You know, it's yeah. you know they've tried to normalize that in yeah. in the media. How did they do that? back in the 60s and the mm-hmm. 70s so well some of the some of the things that ryan uh, talked about with the sexual revolution is that it was an, an expressive individualism where identity was was now shifted towards sexuality rather than something else rather than our identity being uh rooted in something else it was related in the activity of sex mm. rather than um, yeah, rather than an activity, it became who we who we are, uh, which I found very interesting. What what were some things that stood out to you as he talked about the sexual revolution, Josh? Well, I mean, again, that that first point with the individualism. I mean, we already, you know, Western cultures very individualistic, mm-hmm. versus, which would have been a foreign concept in mm-hmm. in the culture that Scripture was written in. But then, yeah, to see this <clears throat> play out even even deeper here, taking taking a a a drive that we have an impulse mm-hmm. right this sexual impulse that mm-hmm. we all you know well i i won't say we all there are some people that right they're not they're not right. they're not sexually attracted to anybody right and 
Right. Cool. They're yeah. <laughs> some ways they're probably better off than, than the rest of us. Uh, depending on the day. <laughs> um, you know, but but we dude, where was I going with that? Well, uh, individualism, you know, this this identity. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So so we, we build our identity based on this impulse. Right. And that's so weird. Yeah. Because do we do that with other things? Like, right. oh, hey, man, I really want a cheeseburger. You know, I'm a I'm a cheeseburgerist or something. You're like, sure. my identity is based on yeah. wanting cheeseburgers. No, no. But with, yeah. with sexuality, we've we've made this such a uh, a huge part of who we are. And and that's where some of the, the the problems come in as far as you know being uh you know bigoted mm-hmm. or you know mm-hmm. intolerant mm-hmm. of to where like if 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 you don't agree with my sexuality right like that's you uh you know condemning me as a person yeah it's like no because we are far more than mm-hmm. just our sexual impulses but, why do you but think we've we've knotted those things all up together yeah why, why do you think that sex has become that thing though why why do you think it has become i mean my my thinking is that it it has become sort of an identity piece because of what it actually is like the act of of sexual intercourse is the closest form of intimacy that there is on earth it is mm. it is the you know god god says that it's a union that actually defines marriage like it is part of this covenantal uh, act and every time it happens it's a reminder of this covenant mm. it's this reminder that my body is not my own uh, my commitment to you as my spouse is for as long as we live on this earth mm. and this act is a communication of that covenant i think people become identified with it firstly uh maybe because of rebellion you know they don't want to accept the fact that this is that that symbol mm. and this sign and this covenantal binding um and so j- much like a lot of other other ideologies in the world it is deeply re- rooted in a rebellion against being submitted to the god of the universe mm. If he doesn't exist, if his commands don't exist, then I will never answer to him. And if I will never answer to him, there is no eternal torment or punishment or whatever. There's no separation. Mm -hmm. So when we redefine some of those things uh, away from an act into an identity, it's very seemingly related to an existence of God, whether God is or is not, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, but it's so deep. It's such a deep experience. well but you've even seen i mean the you've even seen them try to marry the two though in the mm-hmm. sense that they they want to hold on to this this sexual identity mm-hmm. but they also want to to hang on to some existence of god mm-hmm. and this is where you get the argument well this is god made me this way mm-hmm. how can it be wrong if god made me this way right. i love how pastor sam alberry which yeah we had him shall, we had him back episode mm-hmm. 70 like in, so that would have been mm-hmm. in back in season two. Like, uh, I mean, he talks about that and just how <laughs> how messed up that is. Uh, I mean, he's written some good books. Why does God care it who just, I sleep with? Just came is, out. Is with God anti gay? Mm-hmm. Um, and and for those of you that don't remember or you've not 
you don't remember us referencing him. You didn't watch those episodes. Uh, Pastor Sam Albury is uh, same-sex attracted, but mm -hmm. says, hey, that's outside of God's design, so I'm not going to do anything with that. He lives um, a celibate life. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was super yeah. cool being able to, to talk with him here. Yeah, uh, yeah this is what, a couple of years ago now? It's been a while. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so they, they're trying to say, oh, well, this is the way that God made me. It's like, well, no, we, we are created in the image of God, but every single desire drive or impulse that we have is susceptible to sin mm -hmm. so just because i i am born with some desire does not mean that god is like oh i'm going to give you this desire no because those <laughs> things are all as as warped and twisted by sin as anything else but but don't you believe that there are people that are born this way oh. i do oh no and, and i don't disagree but that's what i'm saying yeah. even if that is the case it doesn't mean that god created you this way well but it also doesn't mean that that's a free pass to, to yeah. do whatever you want with it yeah. i mean because i mean i think there they've done are studies at this point yeah. there are people that are born with a greater propensity to things like alcoholism yeah or they're born with a greater propensity to you know mm -hmm. i don't what be violent something mm -hmm. that doesn't mean they're just like oh you know what yeah hey they were born to be an alcoholic let's yeah. just let them be an alcoholic no yeah. no yeah, you don't I, do that. I have a, a, a gay friend and uh, known him for many, many years. A great guy. And he shared with me that he, and I've heard this so often, he knew when he was just a young boy that he had a different, um, I don't know. Uh, he saw and perceived boys, men differently. Mm. And he knew he, he didn't maybe know what it was, but there was something different about him. And probably couldn't have defined it as a no, as a sexual impulse or anything no, like that. Not at, not at a young age. So I I I am personally I'm a follower of Christ who believes that yes, there are gay men and women who were definitely born with a proclivity towards same sex attraction. But this is a first Adam second Adam discussion. Unpacked it because people are like, "What the heck does that mean?" So <laughs> they they have been reading Romans. So. <laughs> what we what what we know is that from the fall in the garden, Adam and Eve. If we believe the biblical story, first Adam theology is to say that we believe that everything was inherited from the first Adam, literally from the garden. Everything was perfect. Everything was good. And just a few pages in the Bible. I mean, there's like a 1,200 pages in the Bible. The first couple pages, it got messed up. And from that time, we inherit literally blood, inherit uh, genetically even a sin nature that finds its um, expression in many different ways. All of us have different ways uh, of, of expressing those uh sinful desires and so that's why i am believing that there are people who are born this way now under the second adam like you're talking about in in our art we call it the the head the federal head uh the second adam brings freedom to the slavery uh to those sinful desires and natures whatever they look like However they are, whatever your uh, proclivity is, you have freedom, the capacity in Christ based upon the commandments in his word, the power of his spirit uh, to have victory over those things. Keep talking. I was, well, was going to look something up. <laughs> I was thinking also more in the sexual revolution. I thought that Ryan's, you know, he talked about these four slogans uh, of the sexual revolution. You do you. Follow your truth. 
find yourself follow your heart and then he camped in jeremiah 17 9 which which says the prophet jeremiah says the heart is desperately wicked beyond understanding who can even know it and further in jeremiah we know i the heart i the lord search the heart and know the in, inside of, of the person um so one of these countercultural things that we must do as christians and followers of jesus is to say the narrative in culture is say to follow your heart and, and to do what's best for you and God says, no, I want you to deny yourself. Mm. I want you to go against or in opposition to uh, the way that you may want to live life. And that is just so, It's that's a, a fish swimming upstream. <laughs> well, but again, that's, it, that covers every area of our life. Mm-hmm. Every impulse that we have that, that pulls us uh, outside of the boundaries that God has set, Mm-hmm. Those are the things we are to deny. Mm-hmm. Like, nope. <laughs> and why? If, if this pulls me outside of yeah. God's boundaries, uh, that's something that I have to say no to. If I can, if I can say yes to this, and I'm still inside God's boundaries of what He has designed, what He has called good and right and, mm-hmm. and holy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, from a sexuality standpoint, that's a it's a it's a pretty narrow mm-hmm. boundary. Yeah. What does God say? You know, earlier in your voiceover intro, right? Yeah. He said, hey, what is Genesis 2? Yeah. The the model that God gives us for marriage mm-hmm. is one dude, one girl. Mm-hmm. For life. For life. Like, that's that's it. Mm-hmm. That's where sex is mm-hmm. is good and, and healthy and right. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything outside of that. And, and Ryan alluded to that, you know, when he, mm-hmm. when he unpacked that, that term, uh, sexual immorality, because mm-hmm. sometimes we're like, oh, well, what does that even mean? That's anything, anything sexual outside of marriage between mm-hmm. one man and one woman. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, yeah, but look at all those characters in the Bible that had more than one wife. Yeah, mm-hmm. how well did that work out for yeah. any of them? None of them did it. Yeah. Was it ever a good? God thing? never <laughs> sanctioned that. No, God never commanded uh, uh, polygamy. He never commanded that. He he did give commands, knowing that the people of God would do this regardless. He did give commands surrounding this practice, but he didn't command them to do this thing. Right, and it, and it went sideways. I think every single time. I don't think there's a single yeah. narrative in scripture yeah. where yeah. having multiple spouses worked well. I but. couldn't help in, in talking about the uh, listening to Ryan talk about the the sexual revolution, thinking about the data. For instance, the data that he shared proves uh, that Genesis two, whether you are secular or a faith based person, the Genesis two narrative is the best plan. And I couldn't help but think of what Jesus said. A bad tree can't bear good fruit Mm. like the sexual revolution, which is, you know, you can express your sexual desires any way that it makes you happy. That is not going to bear good fruit. It's not going to bear good fruit. You remember that song by the band Garbage? If it makes you happy. Why are you so sad? (laughs) (laughs) Wisdom. Sometimes there's some profits there, right? I was thinking of of Burger King. Have it your way. Yeah. Right. Uh, Frank Sinatra. What do you say? I did it my way. Right. (laughs) Everybody wants to do it their own way. And and what what the beauty of life, I think the beauty of existing on this earth is when you come to terms that the happiest, most satisfied life that you can have is is dead center in the midst of God's commandments is his will. Like when you are walking in the fullness of what God has shaped and made you for. 
There's nothing like that. Yeah. Well, and let's stick with the Burger King thing. But mm -hmm. you can have it your way. Right. But just like at Burger King, yeah. it'll cost you. Yeah. Oh, you want tomatoes on that? Yeah. <laughs> upcharge. You yeah. want cheese on that? Yeah. Oh, that's an upcharge. Yeah. So yeah, you try to have it your way, it's going to cost you. <laughs> and you see what happened to culture coming out of the sexual revolution, um, just the destruction. It was unbelievable. I, I did like that Ryan kind of showed that there was some parallel tracks there that the Jesus revolution was kind of coinciding um mm. and and in some ways you would say the jesus revolution was a response oh. to you know the sexual revolution like these people what was it uh drop in drop out you know they had this whole thing uh these these um slogans for the sexual revolution drug revolution and then people were coming to terms with oh actually this is terrible like this doesn't this is not good at all <laughs> the jesus revolution movie is a great you should check that out it's a great movie um talking about how that all started but um yeah anything else on the sexual revolution josh um i just i'm curious to see like in the future how it plays out right like if you've got even secular uh you know scholars and and, and voices saying oh maybe mm -hmm. this was a bad idea like why do we continue to spin so far sideways mm -hmm. with the way that we're we're handling sexuality? I don't know. It's it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Like we as a culture, right? We our secular culture tries to grab on to like, oh, it's about science. Like we don't need faith. We've got science. Mm -hmm. But like the sexual revolution has passed or has failed. I'm sorry. The like any sort of scientific test, right? You you have your hypothesis. Right. Well, if you can just have sex with whoever you want to. You will be far happier and your life will be better. Right. Let's test this hypothesis. But for the next 60 years, let's do it that way. Right. Huh. Turns out people are more miserable than they were. Yeah. Okay. We should probably, <laughs> you yeah. know, render some decision here, but we don't. People just keep doing it that way thinking, well, maybe, maybe it'll work out this time. Well, I, um, I thought that was interesting that Ryan said uh, one of the quotes, I don't remember who it was, uh, Sometimes the most progressive thing to do is to return to orthodoxy. That was a C.S. Lewis quote, I think, which yeah. C.S. Lewis is just chock full of good quotes. Here's an interesting, this is an interesting uh, statistic as well. Uh, Father uh, Josiah, I'm trying to think of Josiah's last name. Uh, he's, he's an Eastern Orthodox uh, priest in Simi Valley, no, Riverside, California. Large parish, <clears throat> really interesting guy. He came from uh, Protestantism, whatever, became an Eastern Orthodox priest many, many years ago. He has a, a church of about a thousand people at his church. Over 50% of the congregants at that Orthodox church are, are 18 or, or younger. Huh. 18 year olds. And uh, or maybe it was young. Maybe it was a little older, 25, something like that. There, there's, there's a really strong pull right now among millennials and Gen X back to orthodoxy. That's why you're seeing uh, less of a trend towards highly produced, highly um, uh, sensationalized forms of, of faith. You're, you're seeing a resurgence to liturgy. You're seeing a resurgence back to orthodox practices, which is interesting. Josh and I, we've made no secret of it. Our lives as <clears throat> evangelical Christians are very informed by liturgical practices. So I wouldn't say you leave evangelicalism or, or Protestantism at all. I would say 
uh, double dip. <laughs> you know, right. find the beauty. If in, they're doing something that works, yeah, <laughs> and it, and it's in line with the scripture. Why not? Absolutely. Why not utilize that? But so. it, I just I was <clears> thinking about that in line with that. You know, sometimes the most progressive thing to do is to is to be return to orthodoxy, return to doctrines and traditions that are uh, ancient. You know, um, yeah. But at any rate. Let's see. Anything else? I thought it was interesting. First Corinthians six nineteen through twenty. Uh, what stood out to me in that text: our bodies are are not our identities. And think about like the cultural trends towards like like uh, all the industries. You know, you dye your hair, you 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 get super buff, you do this, you do that. Uh, nutrients like the nutraceutical industry there's these these huge things that are all kind of centered around the identity of our bodies are actually who we are but they aren't they're only part of who we are right they're only a small part of who we are our souls and our spirit uh, I, I couldn't help think of you know this trichotomy that we are we are body soul and spirit and and when you reject the existence of god you rebel against the creator the and say i'm not an image bearer you're going to naturally focus on one area and obviously it's going to be the thing you can feel right your physical well, body and well, see but i also think that's a it's a, a recognition of mortality and and, mm -hmm. and just the constant drive to try to to <laughs> not die right i mean the number of right. things that are on the market that are anti-aging <clears throat> that lotion isn't going to keep you from getting old ladies and gentlemen <clears throat> like i'm sorry right. but like like we right. try to avoid it you look at all the celebrities in the plastic yeah. surgery which nine times out of ten like you look worse afterwards like i don't know i don't Completely know why crazy. I, yeah i don't know who continues to tell yeah. these people that this looks good but they're they're lying to them but <laughs> Yeah. Again, I think we just we resist the idea of aging. So we, we focus on, mm -hmm. hey, how can I how can I make this body right. last longer? Right. I do think though we have to pay attention to motivation because I do, I do think that we should steward these physical bodies well, mm -hmm. not because this physical body is going to exist into eternity. Mm -hmm. uh, scripture tells us we will be given new bodies. Right. But for the time that we are here, I I would say. <clears throat> we should steward it well. Mm -hmm. Some people live with the opinion of, well, hey, I can't take this body live me with me. Like whatever, let's do whatever. I don't think that's yep. a good model. That's a very that's a very conservative uh, Christian perspective. You know, that's that's a that's a perspective that uh, denies the need for ecological responsibility, environmental responsibility, yeah, creation care. That was that was our original job, literally our original job. And and there, it's not so much as as it was in like the 80s and 90s where it was just like you know yeah let's let's pump oil out of the ground and who cares what happens like we're we're the trumpet's gonna blast we're all getting out of here you know <laughs> but there's a lot of that even when it comes to the physical body in the mm -hmm. christian world i mean gluttony is <laughs> it's so prolific and accepted in the church and the, the the idea that we can just treat these bodies i find it interesting you know the scripture that we we read Okay, we're talking specifically about sexual immorality, but what is the point of the text that we read in, in Corinthians 6? What's the point? The point is that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
And sexual immorality is one of the ways. One of the pieces. One of the ways that you can defile the temple of the Holy Spirit. Friends, listeners, viewers, there's all kinds of other ways that you can defile. Ignoring your health, your physical health, um, ignoring your emotional health, your your spiritual health. These three ways that we find ourselves trying to live a healthy life. You ignore one of those things and stuff just starts fragmenting and coming apart yeah because i i would actually say the key part of that whole passage is is where he says you do not belong to yourself that's for god I mean. bought yeah. you and that's what you were just yeah, referencing bodies are not our identity right so so when it comes to the way that i utilize this physical body if it's not my body mm-hmm. am i asking god how do you want me to treat this body yeah. what do you want me to do with this body mm-hmm uh, mm-hmm. How should I, you know, mm-hmm. navigate this physical world with this mm-hmm. physical body? Because um, it's his, right? He bought it, mm-hmm. so and he made it. Yes, <laughs> and he made it in his image. And so, uh, the fact that we're image bearers and then also spiritually recreated through the blood of Jesus means that we have this responsibility. Like we have, we have a, we have a responsibility. How awesome though! Like the love of God to where like He mm-hmm. created us. Yeah. And then he bought us back. Have you ever have you ever made something? Yeah. And then you had to buy it. No, you haven't. No. Probably. <laughs> oh, I was, you were confusing me. I if like, I make what? something right, like that's my thing, right? Yeah, oh, why yeah. would I pay somebody like else? You make for a something coffee that table in your your wood shop. Right. I'm not gonna buy a coffee table that I made. No, right. like that's my coffee table. But God's like, no. Not only did I create you, but I'm gonna go through all the the process of of redeeming you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Pretty awesome. I thought one of the best things that Ryan did, and I texted him uh, yesterday afternoon, that it, it felt like a very balanced conversation about sexuality because it wasn't, you know, Christians have done a, a pretty poor job of focusing only on same-sex attraction. We haven't talked as, as much about pornography. We haven't talked as much about, um, yeah, just the things that are heterosexual in nature that are sinful right you know right hetero does not mean uh heteronormative lifestyle does not mean that it's just green stamped rubber rubber stamped by god and it's going to be okay that's that's not what it means no premarital sex extramarital sex you know what all of those things are outside the the scope of what god has designed so yeah and I, i thought ryan did a good job of just you know if you have if you're in sexual brokenness or if you've come from a lifestyle of sexual brokenness, brokenness has value, right? There, there is a way that God can use this, uh, perhaps to minister to someone else. Uh, but the first step is to say, do I believe that God's standard is the standard? And if I do, how does that inform my decisions? How does that change? Uh, kind of like the hell conversation, what we believe about eternity Mm-hmm. informs our everyday life mm-hmm. and that that vein kind of is going to flow through i think the entire the entire series yep yeah, yeah. so do i do i want to let my definition of sexuality uh mm-hmm. run or or god's yeah. definition of run so yeah i thought uh josh would you pass me that orange bible there is it orange brown yeah so this is the message version and ryan ryan read this over oh i like that the romans mm-hmm. 12 yeah and we read this in um staff prayer yeah you had brought this up yeah Mm -hmm. staff prayer not too long ago um and i think it's a really succinct way 
to kind of conclude this conversation, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, and this is specifically from Eugene Peterson's message uh, transliteration. Uh, Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life. And I'm just going to insert sexuality and your sexuality and place it before God as an offering. You ever thought about that? Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Can we do that? Can we come to God and say, God, would you shape and make my everyday living? I like that, the way that Eugene uh, phrased that. Anything else, Josh? Um, no, I mean, I think there's, I mean, other, other than, again, and, and sometimes in, maybe it's an artifact of purity culture, maybe just, but like sometimes the church like treats sex like it's a four-letter word mm-hmm. and, and it actually creates guilt and, and mm-hmm. things like, but no, like, like Ryan said yesterday, God is pro-sex. Mm-hmm within the, the boundaries that he has given us mm-hmm. right so so it's not something that if we are exercising that in a in a godly manner mm-hmm. uh, there shouldn't be something you know where you're feeling guilty or mm-hmm. you know again this is something i know coming up you know growing up in a in a more conservative setting mm-hmm. purity culture like there you know people get into marriage and they still feel like oh no this is like wrong or this mm-hmm. is like no no, it's scripture not. says the marriage bed is undefiled. <clears throat> yeah, so so sex is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, but uh, yeah. yeah. Other than that, oh, uh, side note, I did look up that video. Tasty Snacks was the name of the band. Wow, Snacks spelled S N A X. Tasty Snacks. Run, Joseph, run. Okay. Uh, Go yeah. check that out, ladies and gentlemen. Flee sexual immorality. Flee sexual yeah. immorality. <laughs> As always, friends, we're going to tell you to like and subscribe to this podcast, uh, whether you're watching it, whether you are listening to it. Um, send it to a friend. You know, even though we don't have six more uh, coffee mugs to give out, every time you share this podcast on your platforms, you're helping other people um, not only connect with Josh and I's ramblings, but also, and I would say perhaps more importantly, uh, the great Bible teaching that's coming from our mm. teaching pastors, Josh and Brandon and, and Ryan, um, Pam. Uh, we want more people, particularly with this controversial Jesus series. I don't know about you, Josh, but I, I've had a lot of conversations where people are sensing the weight and gravity of this series in a different way than I've heard them talk about other Which other is good, because that was one of the desires, that this would actually mm-hmm. stimulate conversation. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't want it to be something that creates uh, you know, division. We want discussion. Mm-hmm. Like, let's, yeah. let's talk about this. And Ryan said that yesterday. Hey, man, if you just, let's grab coffee. Let's chat. Let's. Yeah. Let's dialogue about this thing. Yeah. So I have found this controversial Jesus series. I've shared it quite a bit, but particularly as a way to have meaningful conversations with your friends and family that you love um, and start that conversation, you know, and, and get the ugly. I, I because we don't agree. I don't care about you. Get that out of there. 
to well, deal with that. And don't go in with an agenda. Go in with yeah. a, a heart to first listen, right? Yeah. We don't know where people are coming from. Yeah. You know, we don't know what their what their story mm-hmm. is, what their background is. Create space to actually be able to hear somebody out. Don't mm-hmm. go in just ready to like shove something mm-hmm. uh, in their face because mm-hmm. that's not going to be an effective uh, method. And God has not called us as followers of him to change people. Mm-hmm. He does the change in his time and in his way. We, we are called to just love Jesus and love other people. And in that process of loving him and loving others, uh, we can see God's change happen mm-hmm. to people's lives very organically. We yep. don't have to, you know, the, the, the days of fire and brimstone. I mean, I think there's a place for that, but uh, I don't know. It's I, limited. I've been thinking controversial Jesus. I know we're continuing here, but uh, it's the kindness and it's the love of God that leads Mm. people to repentance. It's the kindness of God. That sounds downright biblical. Yeah, it's a scripture. (laughs) Like and share this podcast, episode 48. Come back next week. We will be uh, talking about uh, episode four in the controversial Jesus series. Gender. Uh, and Gender. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll talk more uh, next week. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. We hope today's edition of Radiant Reflections has helped you live like Jesus and share his love with your family, friends, and neighbors. To learn more about the church family this podcast originates from, check out theradiantlife.church. That's theradiantlife.church. Maybe you have some questions after listening today. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at theradiantlife.church. That's podcast at theradiantlife.church. Don't forget to subscribe to the Radiant Reflections podcast. When you subscribe, you'll always have the latest content delivered right to your phone from the Radiant Life Church. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review Radiant Reflections. Every time we receive a five-star review, more people learn about this podcast. We also want to encourage you to share this podcast on social media and with your friends and family. Join us next time for another edition of Radiant Reflections.